Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. It's been a heavy couple of weeks. This episode was originally supposed to come out two weeks ago, and I had spoken to this week's guest, Girl, and, you know, we both decided it would be best to postpone in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and the ongoing protests for racial justice following the police killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tony McDade, as well as the killing of Ahmaud Arbery by a group of white men and, you know, the videotape, videotaped threat of murder Christian Cooper by Amy Cooper, not related. So Saturday, the president rolled back protections on trans health care on the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. And, you know, when earlier in the week, two black trans women, Rhea Milton and Dominique Remy Fels, were murdered within 24 hours of each other. So this is all, uh, of course, on top of the ongoing coronavirus crisis, uh, you know, which disproportionately affects communities of color. And many states like aren't even collecting that data uh, for for LGBTQ plus folks, but based on, you know, discrimination, basically everywhere else, jobs, housing, healthcare, et cetera, you know, it's there's likely a di- disproportionate impact on them as well. So, you know, never mind folks with multiply oppressed identities, right? So, you know, as a cis woman, I've been privileged to be able to attend a few rallies locally, one by myself, one with my child, my partner, but obviously not everyone has the privilege to be able to do so, especially with the coronavirus looming. And, you know, the rallies and the ongoing discussion about issues like police abolition really does lead me to feel hopeful, which I know is like weird and hard right now. And, you know, and I say that as a person who tends to be somewhat jaded about this kind of thing. Uh, Oh, well, I guess, you know, literally like an hour ago, the Supreme Court made their announcement that gender identity and sexual orientation are covered under the Civil Rights Act. So that's huge. That's good. Um, you know, but, you know, beyond that one pretty identifiable array of hope, uh, I've been trying to figure out why or how this things feel different this time. And in, in no way do I think that things are going to change overnight. And this is ongoing lifelong work, but it does feel like more people, especially white people, are having these conversations about racial justice, like more in earnest than they had in the past. And I'm also really, I will say, heartened to see a lot of music gear companies speaking out on this. Um, in a way that I haven't seen in the past, like really at all. And, you know, the next step is to figure out like, okay, we we did a black Instagram square, you know, how do we push the conversations past that one, one thing, right? Like it can't just be that it needs to continue happening. Uh, And I know it's easy for people to get stuck in like, oh, but I like to post pictures of guitars all the time. Yes, we all love that. Um, that is awesome. But like, you know, thinking about ways that you can dip in and like, you know, be supportive beyond just this one incident. Right. Um, and I know that there are a lot of black folks who are very worried about the idea of defunding the police, getting co-opted, getting watered down into like a liberal white agenda. And that is a very reasonable fear. Um, and I, I'm hoping that white folks, you know, research alternatives to the current policing system, such as restorative and transformative justice, You know, there's a ton out there that will address your concerns, like do a Google search. Um, You know, you said people are always wondering, like, what about serial killers or what about domestic violence, things like that. Um, And, you know, if you want to reach out to me directly, I'll, you know, I'll do my best to 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 talk to anybody who wants to talk to talk about it. Um, And I'll add some links in the show notes as well that might help address any questions about that. Um, So in no way do I have the answers, but I'm definitely open to the conversation. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I have some answers that are good for my mind, but you know, you do you. Anyway, so that's, that's a, this is all a lot. I'm heading into this week's episode, not with the intention of going back to normal, but knowing that it has taken the U.S. 400 years to get to this place. And, you know, as I mentioned, it will not change in, overnight. During the last two weeks, uh, it's also come to my attention that a moderately well-known session drummer with my exact same name, uh, has made some horribly racist comments on her Facebook page. And, you know, when when folks came back to share their disapproval with her comment, she literally, like, doubled down on it. She's like, you know what? I am actually super racist. Check this out. Uh, it was really bad. And um, it was out, up there for about a week, her comments. Um, but it has since been deleted. Anyway, regardless, 
you know, many people seem to think that those folks, folks with those types of views don't exist anymore, but they very much do. And, you know, we have a lot of work to do individually, myself included, in our relationships, in our communities, in the systems and policies that we're a part of to undo the white supremacy that our country was built on and continues to be structured around, right? Um, If you stick around for the end of the interview, I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, ways to make change at the end of the episode and talking a little bit about using actually a specific tool that's used in cancer prevention to to actually potentially address, you know, to to wrap our minds around preventing um, or stop, you know, making change around um, racist behavior as well. All right. So about the interview, one of the things, you know, that really gives me hope is this band. They are called Girl or Get It Right Loser. Lucy Koykendall and Mariana Kuyar. This is my first interview with more than one person, and in this case, a band, because they are a two-piece. They are both super ridiculously talented multi-instrumentalists, and they are also young, 19 and 18, respectively. And, you know, I originally met Lucy when she attended Rock Camp in 2014, which was you know, when she first started playing drums, uh, she went on to attend every year and like, you know, kept coming back as an intern and then as a volunteer, as a drum instructor for our um, year-round programming. Uh, And she also studied under our very first interviewee from episode one, Rachel Bloomberg. And I met Mariana through Lucy a number of years later, uh, and she's been in the orbit of camp for a while now as well, uh, and is an instructor for year-round programming there too. So I am very excited to share their perspectives and experiences as musicians, um, which I think you will all enjoy very much. If you like the podcast and you want others to hear it, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it too. Uh, And if you want to keep up between episodes, you can do so on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, and so one last housekeeping thing. If you are in or around Providence, I'm working with Riot Rhode Island to present a workshop series for musicians and audience members through our Changing Our Tune project to reduce gender-based violence in the Providence music scene. So the first series is for cis women, trans, and non-binary folks. It is June 29th through July 1st, 3 to 4.30 p.m. And the second is for cis men, uh, July 13th through the 15th, also 3 to 4.30 p.m. The trainings are free and they are virtual and they'll be covering the topics of privilege and oppression, gender equity, Uh, gender-based violence, bystander intervention, uh, and I have a link uh, to the event in the show notes if you are interested. All right, with that, here is Girl. Welcome to Midriff. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Uh, So psyched that you're here. I want you to first take a sec to introduce yourselves, your names, your pronouns, and a little bit about your, uh, you and your background with music. Cool. So um, my name is Lucy. I use she, her pronouns. I've been playing music kind of actively for the past uh, six years, and I've been, um, that's how long I've been drumming and I've been playing other instruments like bass and guitar for about and ukulele for about three years and then I've been singing for a long time that's (laughs) (laughs) since the dawn of time and and the current project that you're in is get it right loser also known as girl cool uh with Mariana (laughs) I go by she her and I've been doing music for a pretty long time, at least singing. I grew up in a large music family. I have three brothers and three sisters, and I picked up the bass about a year and a half ago and started doing music with Lucy. 
I don't think I realized that you just started playing bass. I guess that makes sense now that you mention it. But I definitely, I think before that, I'd mostly seen you singing or doing uke. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. A really cool thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that you both are like multi instrumentalists. But you. how was the transition from from uke to bass then? It was super interesting because, as you know, ukulele is very, very small and bass is huge. <laughs> but I do have a good size bass hand. So at the same time, it was kind of easy mm-hmm. doing scales and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'd say it was about half and half. Pretty hard, pretty easy. <laughs> Well, you you both play uke. I like just have dabbled in the uke. Like I'm, I'm uke curious, perhaps. Uh, so, how do you, do people do scales on on the uke for like practice? Is that a thing? I do. I never did. We ne- we both learned kind of just together, and we did not learn anything. We actually didn't really watch it YouTube videos. We kind of just messed up a lot and see and just <laughs> see how that went. And and yeah, we've been actually singing together for very long time harmonizing so that, seven that's years, maybe oh my god yeah seven years is that real that it's been seven years yes yeah that's wild that. um yeah so tell tell me a little bit about the progression of your current like from your first playing together to your current project wow um so yeah we've been uh we've known each other our pretty much our whole lives but then we kind of started getting closer when we were about maybe 11 or 12 kind of that age range and we both found that we really liked to sing, both of us, and we started harmonizing just every time we hung out. And then uh, I'd say maybe a few years, a few years later, we started playing ukulele in our uh, uke trio band, Wavelength. <laughs> yeah. And um, that really, I don't know, I think that really pushed us to explore more other instruments, but also we saw that we had that kind of connection, not just like with our, I don't know, the friendship we had really came out in that. So uh, then I was, you know, playing drums for a little bit. And then Mariana kind of nowhere started playing bass. <laughs> freaking amazing. Actually, Hillary, we have to credit you a little bit for this. When that first show that we played at Rachel Lumberg's drum recital, you were sitting next to us and we'll, we'll also credit Rachel, but you had both said, hey, you guys should form a band. And we looked to each other and we were like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Hillary, that's kind of, that's, we dedicate that a little bit to you, man. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out. Uh, <laughs> look at, look at you now. Uh, <laughs> yep. Awesome. So, I'm wondering how you two are kind of like handling this quarantine situation. It's been seven weeks at this point. We've been trying to do more. We had both downloaded GarageBand so we can record stuff and send it to each other because we're working on quite a few songs. It is definitely hard mm-hmm. since we can't play together in person and that's always how we've come up with things, mm-hmm. but we're adapting to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Well, I think for a lot of musicians, <laughs> especially yeah. bands, I can't even imagine how difficult and Hillary, you too, right? Uh, for your band, I guess. Mm-hmm. That kind of process. Yeah, we've just not been practicing really, you know, it's it's uh, which is a real bummer. But yeah, if we had a, a different way to go about it, we probably would. But or if we were like a quieter band, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, us too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you been doing any like z- like Zoom meetups or anything like that? Or We haven't done that yet. And we've been trying to do what is that app? Mariana, that we—I uh... don't remember what it's called. <laughs> we cannot even remember. That's how uh, there's great a bunch it is. of them. I think because I, I know there's people that are using some specific apps for like teaching lessons and stuff like that. Is it one of those? Yeah, yeah, I it's don't one of those. The names. Um, but the yeah, the hardest thing is just the lag, and mm-hmm. especially since we both play very loud instruments, drums and bass, mm-hmm. it's not entire. It's hard to kind of work around. But we are we voice memos, trading trading voice memos has been a uh, very good. <laughs> as far as like your your writing process generally, what does that usually look like? Mariana, you take this one. Okay, so it's definitely different for every song because they have different feels. Normally, we just kind of sit around and play random stuff really loud and then something usually comes out of it. 
But my own original music, I kind of sit in my room with my ukulele and close my eyes and think of stuff. So I guess it just depends yeah. on mm-hmm. what kind of feel we're going for. And yeah. presumably yeah. when you're sending those voice memos, you're not sending drum voice memos, or maybe I'm wrong. I actually have <laughs> sent drum <laughs> yeah, drum voice memos, um, but I've made sure to make sure the audio is uh, clean enough so that, yeah, we actually have done that so that she can play over some beats I've made or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's cool. So... I wasn't yeah. sure if you were like doing like an actual like you're actually playing your drums or was like boom, ch, boom, ch, boom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I true. I I hope you all work on like an acapella band direction. I feel like oh, that's yeah. something you could... oh definitely. Yeah. We we are, we definitely want to have many different versions of our original songs. Like we wanted to have an opera version, a <laughs> bluegrass version or whatever. Really random, I don't know. That's kind of what we That's casual. Yes, very Yeah. Casual. I feel like I've seen you do that, though. Like, you have actually, every time I see you perform a song, sometimes it's different. Thanks. Like, sometimes you'll change it up a little bit, which is great. Thank you. Yeah. And you're very, and you're very adaptable to different, like, settings, I think. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. We we hope we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As far as, like, your learning process, like, how has your learning process been over the years for getting to where you are now? For me, I'd say it's been um, a lot of, it's been really helpful to have well Rachel Blumberg as my drum teacher because she's really shown me, I don't know, she's expanded my horizons music-wise. So I've been t- taking a lot after her in terms of lis- just listening to a lot of different music has been a really great, helpful, I guess, yeah, a t- kind of learning method and taking a lot from, like, yeah, bands and musicians I'm inspired by. And uh, I have u- utilized YouTube a lot for, uh, you know, watching Watching different people cover songs has been pretty helpful. And then I always kind of uh, eventually just, if I cannot figure it out just by wa- kind of watching it, I just listen to it as many times as I can. For example, we were about to play a show before all this, you know, this quarantine pandemic uh, situation happened. We were going to play a show where we were going to cover YYZ. And. Okay. Um, <laughs> So once again, casual, no big deal. Exactly. How, I just want to put it. How? How? I just want to say, how old are you two again? For the I'm, audience, I'm 17. Okay, and I'm 19. Okay, just just wanted to put that out there so people know that you're doing that song. Anyway. Yep. And I actually have gotten more into um, reading drum notation because I've been mm. taking some actually jazz percussion courses in college right now. So. I actually found some drum notation for YYZ. Very crazy to look at, but that has helped. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> cool. When you when you would do YYZ, would it be? Uh, how, did you finish it, or did you like get it figured out? Was it ready to go? Or pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, the little things. Like I have not gotten down those fills yet, and I, I don't know about Mariana either. It's just, those take a lot more time. Uh, YYZ, the song by Rush, for for our listeners who maybe aren't uh, prog rock inclined. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that's like, was it when you did you have like your own take on it? Or were you doing it pretty straight? Or we did that pretty straight, didn't we? I think. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. so. We did a pretty similar. We all listened to the YouTube track and learned it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I probably because we didn't have as much time. We didn't really get to really, uh, I don't know, find our own ways of playing it. I think if we, once we have that down, that's generally what we like to do with, with covers, mm-hmm. try to change it enough that's like our band sound, I guess. I feel like that song's so hard to figure out in the first place oh. that like getting, it's like you have to learn, have to learn it first and then like to get to that next level it's uh, really... to make, to like adapt it somehow is like just a whole other thing. Yeah. Very crazy. That's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your uh, <laughs> your motivation to attempt that song in the first place. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's a uh, bit of a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's nice to have a stretch. Yes. It's good. Okay. So let's let's scoot on to a bit about gear. I want to know a little bit about your first instrument. So like, you know, I don't know if you want to, however you want to tackle that. So is it like your first set of drums, your first ukulele, however you want to approach it? So for me, I was sitting in my living room 
And my dad walks in and he's like, here you go. I bought you a ukulele. So I just ended up learning it because why not? Were you were you wanting to learn the ukulele and or did he just show up and was like, here's a ukulele? Yes and no. I've always liked the ukulele. I've played on my sister's ukulele and he's like, well, she should get her own. Ah, cool. <laughs> nice. What uh, do you remember the model? Pretty sure it was a Luna uke. OK. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do you still have it or no? Yes, I do. I actually I put acoustic guitar strings on it to give it oh, more wow. of like a loud sound <laughs> that's kind of wild i've never seen that before does it work yeah it does i remember that, the that first was really string funny. you have to drop an octave lower but other than that it works great hmm. fascinating i well my first ukulele was not mine and it actually is <laughs> not it's was my it, a gift to my mother for mother's day and i eventually started playing it so much that she was like all right fine you can have it <laughs> I actually forget that's that a one lot. way that's one way to get a ukulele exactly that's the best way to get a ukulele but anyway um so and that's in terms of uh ukulele that was my first I still have it I've been told the intonation is not that great but I don't really care because it's not I don't know I I like it a lot I, I mm. it, it's it's been really helpful with learning and covering songs and writing songs too nice and for my first drum set was the first <laughs> Mariana's already laughing. Um the that green sparkle drum kit from Riot. Yes. The very first. And you know this one. I'm very intimately familiar with the green sparkle drum kit. It's <laughs> it a, is, oh I'm trying to remember what brand it is now. I feel like I should know this. I actually don't. Oh do we oh, shoot. I it was it it was like it I feel like it was like a Tom or like a um Travis Barker kit or something. It, it might wasn't might actually a Travis Barker kit, but it like seemed like it was in that be. realm. Like some pop punk band oh, was, you know, is where that came from. I don't know. Uh yeah. Yeah, and it is the, probably one of the crappiest sounding drum sets ever. But <laughs> it I is weird. It looks so beautiful, but it sounds so bad. That is the common <laughs> misconception about, I, I would say, for people who don't play drums, is that it does not matter how pretty the drum set sounds. I mean, sounds, looks. It can look amazing, but sound terrible and vice versa. I personally did not care or did not even know what a good drum set sounded like. So I was just so excited to be playing something and hitting things and uh yeah so it, it took me a while to realize how bad it sounded but I'm, I'm just glad <laughs> it, was, it was a it was a really good experience though because because yeah it's it's been really nice to go back to when I would go back to camp and see it and I'd be like ah I remember you <laughs> so, yeah so Lucy you've been uh how old were you when you went to your first camp I was 13 yeah yeah and so, uh, so you I remember when you came in to pick up your first kit because, uh, so Riot, formerly Girls Rock, was like is how I originally met Lucy and and through through that uh, Mariana as well. Um, but I remember you coming in because we would uh, loan we loan out instruments through our gear loan program because they're, sometimes they're just sitting around and they take up space and it's better to have them in the hands of people who are going to use them. So mm. I remember you coming in and picking up that first drum kit, but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, we don't always get the things that sometimes we just get the things that people don't want anymore. And there's a reason why they don't want it. And maybe that was the secret reason why they didn't want that kit anymore. <laughs> well, yes, we've, I've known you the entire time I've been playing drums. That's pretty wild. That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that is seven years. Yeah. Around six, around six years, six oh, years. Six years. Yeah. 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 And now you two are both teaching through Riot. So how is that going? It's going pretty good. I thought it was going to be a lot harder, but my students were quick learners, which was good for my first time teaching ever. But it's been fun because we've just been jamming off of songs and I've been teaching them scales and stuff. And they've actually taught me some things too, which was great. Oh, that's my favorite part about teaching. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And you're teaching bass, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. How many students did you have? I had two. Mm -hmm. So cool. it was a nice class. That's a good starter class for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, before yeah, the um, this situation, I uh, was yeah teaching drums, and I was 
pretty large classes actually. The last class I had was about seven people. <gasps> That's wow. very large. That's so many drums. It's really and th- thank goodness I only had to set up those drums once because it was the new space. Because in <laughs> mm-hmm. the old space, I actually have you know I really love that space because there's a lot of memories there. But I'm so glad I did not have to set up five to six drum sets every time <laughs> yeah so. so in the in the previous uh riot space it was much smaller and they moved into a new space in december and now the drums have their own house a little space that they can live in and don't have to be reset up every single time there's a lesson which was a real pain <laughs> uh so yeah do you think there's anything in like in particular that you've learned about yourself through teaching oh definitely i would have to say i didn't really know if teaching would be something i'd really be drawn to but I'm just, I, I found that it was a lot more about, more like a collaboration than than anything. Like it really reminded me of kind of just band situations I've been in. And everyone was just so eager to learn, especially I would say the adult group. We, I don't know, there was just amazing bonding going on and just a lot of energy and kind of earnest to, to learn. And it really felt a lot more about like, we, you know, we were all working together towards, you know, a common goal rather than me telling them. And I have to say, it was a little daunting, you know, being younger than most of them to teach. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt a little kind of out of my depth a little bit, but they really made it feel like you know, we all played, you know, with each other and supported one another. So I have to say that's, it's been really positive on me and in, I don't know, my confidence in being a teacher. So that's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about your your first like gear situations what is your current gear setup for both of you well my current gear setup it took a while but I finally got kind of the drum kit of my dreams because I'm very into vintage drums I went to a uh, shop called Wood and Weather which is in Mass and I went there first initially with Rachel Blumberg because she was going to check out some of their symbols and we got to meet the person running it and it was just really really great experience. I just kind of sat down. There's a lot of kind of kits already set up and I sat down on that one and just there's this deep thud of the kick drum. I was like, okay, that's epic. So and it's yeah, it's been really great to play it. So it's a Gretsch kit. It's a yeah band name Gretsch kit. And it's, um, I'm forgetting what the wood is right now, kind of what it's made of, but it's got a really nice finish on it. It's really pretty, but kind of burgundy color. And I really love it. What <laughs> what year is it from? It is a, yes, 1970s. It actually has most of its original kind of hardware, so which is really nice. Mm. Is it a 22 kick? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Mariana? So funny story about my bass that I have right now I was helping my brother out with this camp and I was doing the music and all of a sudden the bass I had originally had broke it just stopped working so I went to the nearest music shop and found my lovely Dean bright green bass that I have (laughs) now and I love it so much it feels great did did they have other colors because I know they make that in pink as well or was it just like a used thing that you happened across? They had other colors that I did not know about. I probably <laughs> would have gotten the pink one, but <laughs> I do like the green one. The green is super rad. It's yeah. like, it's pretty wild. Uh, but I just wasn't sure if it was like a, a personal choice. You're like, I feel real committed to green or if it was just like, this was rad because it's here and it's all green. Well, I liked it originally because it stood out. Most of the bases there were black, and my original base was black, so I wanted to go with something different. And when I picked it up to try it out, it just felt perfect in my hands, and I knew it was the one. You just felt a connection. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) It's definitely been really great with our um, kind of performing because it's because you know it's just two of us, so it's like. But then there's this giant bright green base you know <laughs> along with us so it's it's actually I don't know it, it kind of helps us with our performance image a little bit which is really nice mm, it's I, like a whole other bandmate oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like those deans I don't remember the model but they have like the, the, even the neck is green right so like the whole yes. thing is green yeah, yeah. 
pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, and is that a P based? Do you know? Is it like a precision based pickup? Are you sure? I, I'm pretty sure it's a P base, but I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure on that. Okay. So I guess I wanted to talk a little bit with both of you about your personal experiences with gear and like around gender and your identities. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience around around that has been? <laughs> I'd say for me, it's been a kind of a toss up between like, I've. well, it depends. It's really depends on the environment I've gone in. I'd say in general, Qatar Center is not an ideal place to go into for me. I've never really felt secure mainly because I, I i guess i for me i've you know you don't really see people uh like you i guess in in there in terms of the employees so you i guess for me subconsciously i kind of feel a little bit more kind of inhibited by that and then also um yeah I, i'd say in general I, i've always kind of felt a little more insecure going into those areas because there's a kind of expectation that maybe you don't you know because of you know your gender you don't really know what's going on or what what you know all, all this stuff is but I think that has a lot more to do with you know developing my my confidence in in myself and I think yeah kind of I actually went to guitar center more recently with my mom because my guitar had had uh, broken and um she was like let's go in and ask and try to fix it and no one really was there trying to help us they were kind of ignoring us a little bit so she was like she propped up the guitar on the table she was like all right tell me how to fi how to you know what's wrong with this so and i'm gonna fix it and she oh. did fix it she came oh, home cool. and she fixed it so it's i'd say it's really great to have a, a female role model like that in that in those situations that's awesome um and do you feel like for either or, b or both of you that you experience different treatment in different spaces like whether it's like Definitely, you're performing yeah. by yourself or with somebody else or like you have somebody else with you or like like in different projects that you've been in we've definitely had a few experiences performing I feel like a lot of times what normally happens is people would be not necessarily rude, but just kind of like a little bit or yeah. judgmental a little bit. Yeah. But then they're completely different once they see us actually play. I, been countless That's times. happened so many times. So um, many times. I think, and I'm not going to uh, um, say any names, of course, but I, if Hillary, I think you remember Bridge Fest. Um, yes, I do. There was a <laughs> point where, someone had said, oh, hit it like you mean it when I was testing out a cymbal. And then I proceeded to break my drum, my drumstick after playing a song after that happened. <laughs> nice. So. <laughs> yeah. So that was like through Bridge Fest, which is like a offshoot of the Newport, Newport Folk Fest. Right. Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. so there's a, they were playing this giant stage. Right. And it's like, it's, it's huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the sound person, I think maybe didn't know what to expect like I and I feel like for you too like because of your age too like you might probably get a lot of per, perhaps some weird responses from folks based on that maybe Definitely. Yeah. yeah you want to speak about that or about gender stuff or whatever in in performances um yeah I would say there's just a lot of um which is I don't know I think it's actually kind of a cool thing in a way it's kind of like we are um I don't know like secret agents almost like I don't know like we we are we are hiding behind I love that you know, because we we and to be honest I do not look like I'm a, like not at least stereotypically I do not look like a drummer at least in I, in terms of what's you know society deems what that is uh, unfortunately but I think it's really cool because there's that surprise factor and the same with you know Mariana and us we just mm -hmm. um I don't know there's something really awesome about you know I don't know, proving people wrong, I guess. I think that's something we mm -hmm. we, we really enjoy. It's one of my favorite parts of performing. Um, and, and actually, we've, in general, have only, at least in this band, mainly played with kind of the Riot community and a lot of kind of mm -hmm. queer bands and the queer, queer community. Um, so we've felt really just generally uplifted. We've never really felt like we had to prove a point or anything. But when we have played kind of um, gigs where maybe there's other maybe cis guy bands or there's uh, a lot of interaction with maybe a cis guy sound person. Uh, there's been a lot of kind of uh, maybe 
hesitation in general, like, you know, kind of iffiness in the beginning. Like, for example, PBD Fest, when we played that, this, my, in general, our sound, sound person experiences have not, has not been the greatest. No. Nope. <laughs> so that, that person was, was pretty kind of judgmental, but then, you know, we, we played our whole set and they were really kind of blown away, which is, um, I don't know, it's, it is very telling of how people can, you know, judge off looks. Uh, but so I think we, there's power in that, but also, you know, a little disappointment because, you know, we want to feel comfortable in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like you're I, you hit on something really important there with like the ability to be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I feel like I've seen you all perform a few times where it's like they'll it's it's in a, like a fairly public setting and like you're getting ready and I can see the interactions with sound people in some cases and then or even just like people roaming about in the crowd and then the second that you start playing then like all of these like cis dudes like older cis dudes coming up to the stage to like get up close to watch uh, they're like what what's going on like their minds are totally blown they're like take a look and like in between songs they like look at each other they're like take a look at that and uh, which is hilarious and kind of my favorite thing thanks no that's um, we really enjoy that too yeah yeah uh, Lucy, when you're performing with what Cheer Brigade, which is a uh, large street marching band, punk marching band, do you notice mm-hmm. any differences between performing with them versus then when like you two are performing or other settings? Um, because it's, you know, such an established, you know, just really fantastic band that's just have a, has had a lot of experience. They um, I f- actually feel a different kind of security in there because like you know they already have a established structure they know everyone has their role in the band in, in a sense and i'm playing my part so i really feel like you know they have a lot of rules in place or kind of guidelines in terms of you know respecting each other and being part of um and i this is it's been a really great experience to learn in such a you know it's about i'd say in total maybe about 15 plus people in the band so kind of interacting with the crowd, those kinds of guide, like kind of things to be aware of. I've, I've felt pretty safe and really supported in that. And because, you know, there's a lot of people I know personally, or maybe have, you know, similar identities. Uh, I've felt really like I've never felt singled out or anything. So it's been really fantastic experience. Really. Nice. That's awesome. And you play the snare. Yes. And it is yeah. very difficult, but really in its, I would say because it's kind of one of the main it's like it's part of the uh, you know percussion section and it drives a lot of the song so you really have to you know be focused at all times and be aware and you are you know you in a sense you are kind of directing a lot of other instruments so it's takes a lot of you know awareness and uh, practice and precision so it's been extremely helpful with my playing I'd say. Nice. So for for both of you, can you talk a little bit about how gender or your identities might inform your performance style, like either for, for any of the any of your different groups that you perform in? I think because, you know, I guess pertaining to our name, you know, Get It Right Loser, like, yeah. um, like I'd say a lot of our songs are kind of based around our gender, actually, in ter- well, our experiences as cis female musicians, I, I'd say a lot of, you know, girls and I don't know, at least for us, like, yeah, Mariana, why, what's, what does gay right loser mean? It means a few things, but I feel like since it spells out girl, like the first letter Mm -hmm. of each word, I don't know, it's kind of empowering, like, people might think you're one way, but you're Mm -hmm. not, so I guess, tell, or showing them that you're not that, Mm -hmm. and to get it right. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I think also because we are the, are the genre that we're playing, we do not know what genre that is. I was going to say, what genre is that? Yeah, (laughs) it's many genres. Can you, before you pop into this, can you describe your genres? I feel like that would be helpful when thinking about what your performance looks like too. So we have, we have been a, a, a band for about a year and have been figuring out our sound and we I still have not come to the conclusion of what our genre is. And I'd say we kind of like it that way a little bit, not, you know, feeling that we have to 
you know pertain to a certain box but it is helpful in terms of you know of having an audience and you know finding people who would you know enjoy our music so i'd say what we talked about a little bit is that it's definitely rock based because we both have kind of uh in terms of our own instruments kind of gravitated towards that but in terms of the structures it's punk structured and then there's a lot of other genres mixed in it's and, like punk it's like punk prog pop or something right like yeah, actually that's great <laughs> yeah and yeah. a lot of that has to do with mariana's uh bass lines honestly and please ex- mariana like talk about how that influences like wow i don't know i guess i've always or at least for a while i wasn't really into the 4-4 just because everyone else was doing that so I'd always play around with things and do different time signatures and some that I don't even know what they are so that's definitely gone a lot into our music definitely. and mm-hmm. like but at the same time we we like to play around we like to just do a lot of weird stuff I'd say we don't we like to try <laughs> as many different things as possible but we also we realize that, you know, in terms of like, you know, prog rock or math rock, there is a lot of kind of gender stuff within that. And we don't necessarily want to actually like be considered a math rock band, a prog rock, but we utilize those kind of styles and techniques. That's what we Yeah. Say. Well, that was actually a good, I was going to actually follow up on that exactly, because I feel like there is this stereotype that like prog is something that like like cis women aren't into and there are a lot of stereotypes or like there's like this like weird I guess like meme thing about like women liking uh rush or mm-hmm. yes or whatever you know prog group uh <laughs> mm-hmm. and it being like a very gendered domain so do you feel like you're pushed away from it because you you don't want to be a part of that stereotype or do you feel like it's something else I th- at least personally for me I feel that a little bit but I think in general kind of what Mariana said is it just kind of happened naturally we Mm. we did we weren't really we've been asked a lot what our influences are and I think there's a lot of kind of little influences in terms of our separate playing but in terms of us coming together it was just I don't know right Mariana it was just like so natural and Mm -hmm. just I don't know we both really like working off each other in strange ways so it we we actually don't at least for me I don't really know a lot of prog music I haven't really listened to that much but I was pushed a lot by Mariana's <laughs> playing. So we've done that a lot. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool that you're able to like pop into it. And it's interesting. I feel like I've been in bands too, where it's like you, you're you like, somebody comes up to you after the show, they're like, you sound just like this. And you're like, I've never heard that band before, <laughs> which is a funny thing. It's interesting too, that you have, you know, thing with time signatures um, and mixing that up, but then also like really beautiful harmonies as well. So like, I, I feel like that's part of the thing too, is like figuring out how to play this like super complicated piece with harmonies happening at the same time. Can you talk about that? I don't know. Most of what we've written, like we didn't even realize we were writing. It just kind of happened, I guess, mm-hmm. with the harmonies too. Like it just kind of worked with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it was, I think because, you know, we've been harmonizing for, for together for so long, we, you know, we wanted to use that somehow. And we both play mm-hmm. drums and bass. We're like, how are we, how are we going to combine this? <laughs> right. So it's, yeah. Um, well, how do you, how do you also determine like who, cause you switch instruments sometimes. So how do you decide how that works? I think, I think that was you, Lucy, because you were like, why don't you play drums? <laughs> And then I'm like, I can't do that. What are you talking about? And you're like, yes, you can. Just do it. <laughs> so we switched and it worked. So we decided to write a song like that. Yeah. Nice. I'd say we pushing each other for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yep. For, Pretty for much. Fun. Story of yeah. our lives. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'm wondering if you have thoughts around like like your experience in like buying gear, if there's anything that is... M- made your experience with like the actual like purchasing part better or worse like what have been your best and worst experiences with that I'd say I've had I have kind of my yeah my positive example would be kind of when I just uh, recently bought my uh, drum set at the wooden weather uh, kind of shop that was a really good experience mainly because I had um, met the person beforehand with Rachel who knows a lot about uh, gear 
in drum stuff. So I, I was able to kind of go in with them knowing who I was. And they also actually saw both of us play. So that like kind of going back to like the performance thing, you know, getting rid of that uh, initial kind of judgment about who is, you know, going in here to buy a, a drum set. That really helped with kind of erasing any possible preconceptions, you know. I'd say, yeah, when I went in to buy it, uh, it was really great because we really bonded over our love about vintage drums. And uh, it was just a really also great environment because it's by appointment. So you, it's not a lot of people kind of milling about and you don't really feel uh, like this pressure on you. You can just basically just try out anything you really want and be as loud as you want. And it's it's in a warehouse. So it's, it was mm. a really great experience for me, I'd say. And I think for anyone wanting to buy a drum set it's a really great place to just check out because it's yeah it's you really feel like it's you know you can be in your own headspace about it I guess nice Mariana definitely buying my bass because the person who was helping me out had a lot of good information for me and they weren't judgmental at all it was really great and I just saw the bass and knew exactly that that was the one. I, I have this vision of you like seeing your bass from a, across the like room <laughs> and the whole room turns yes. dark and there's a spotlight on the bass and you're just like, ah, you know, like that kind of thing. That's exactly how it was. <laughs> exactly how it was. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of, I guess, just one odd experience <laughs> with buying something it's actually hillary a a um i think it was via craigslist i'm not sure if you remember but it was a drum set you had like oh you should try checking this out yes um so uh i'm not sure if i had told you the results of that i can't remember but basically i had contacted the guy and i was like hi hi i'm interested in checking out your drum set and he was like sure when can we meet I was like, uh, I don't know when, when are you, you know, when's the time that's available? And he's like, can we meet alone in like this place? And I was like, hmm, that seems very (laughs) sketchy. So then I was like, when, yeah, when is a good time? My mom is going to drive me over. So when's a good time? And then he just completely just shut off contact with me. He did not respond or anything. Just so I think I narrowly averted something very sketchy. Wow. Well, I'm sorry I sent you into <laughs> potential danger. Jeez. No, it's okay. I'm. It, it seemed like a very promising, you know, drum set, but clearly the guy, yeah, it was a very Listeners, I just want you to know it was a really cool drum kit. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, Craigslist is a real crapshoot. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is rough. Uh, well, <laughs> we all, we've all learned a lesson here, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> Never trust yep. Craigslist. So what is one thing that you know about gear now that you wish you knew about before? For me, definitely amps or less of amps in general, like the brands, but more of like knowing what tone to go for, for a specific sound. I've definitely grown a lot in knowing what my sound is, but before I kind of just turned everything up or everything to the middle, <laughs> it definitely would have been helpful. Everything goes to 11. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. So now do you have, you have a little better understanding of like EQ and stuff like that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> in terms of gear, I'm, I guess I've, for some reason, I'm just really interested in the history of I don't know why I just really like vintage drums. I have no idea why. I think it's just, I don't know. I I really like the history and the fact that, you know, other people have played them before. And it's just, I, I really kind of resonate with, I guess, the sound of, you know, more like past music decades. So what if, what if that person was Travis Barker? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No. He obviously was playing your kit in 1977 obviously. or whatever. That's honestly, yeah. when we bought the drum set, I, this, I don't know, there's something kind of weird about vintage drums. Uh, Rachel has said they kind of, they have souls. And I do question this mm-hmm. because it feels a lot more, I don't know, some, there's something very genuine, but also kind of creepy about it. What, where, what is the previous life of exactly. this instrument that is now mm-hmm. in my house? Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, yeah. Seems fine. In terms of, I guess, uh 
things I kind of didn't know about before. I've learned a little bit more about contact mics from Rachel also. Mm. Uh, and I didn't know that you could, you know, loop drums in that way. I didn't even know that you could do mm -hmm. that. And I went to her, you know, home studio and I just saw the whole process and I was like, what? So I, mm -hmm. I really think would be a cool thing to use for us in the future. And we have a lot of other things yeah. we want to uh, add to our rig. <laughs> Definitely. Do you all, do you all use pedals much or no? I think I've used one once in my life. I think it was a distortion pedal, but we're definitely looking into that. <laughs> well, so basically, because yeah. we know, you know, we're a two-person band, uh, you know, at the moment, and we kind of, that's our strength with bass and drums. We both also play guitar, but we want to be able to have a fuller sound. So we are uh, interested in uh, kind of purchasing a lot more pedals. And um, also for me... At first, I was kind of iffy about it. I wasn't entirely sure I wanted to go with, you know, electronic drum machines and drum pads. But mm. I've seen just how how much they can help with a live performance, especially with a lack of personnel, I guess you could say. That's something we definitely kind of want to integrate, I'd say, a lot more. Like you want to... Um... You want to program a pad for some particular yeah. sounds? Yeah. What kind of sounds would you program? Anything and everything. Yes. Like a car horn <laughs> and like oh, uh, yeah. someone hitting a oh, trash yes, can. And... Or just bring a real trash can. <laughs> someone screaming. <laughs> yeah. We definitely want to just add a lot of random commentary and then we just drum pads. Just like, ah, yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> Uh, we're getting towards the end of the interview. A couple of other questions, though, before we close it out. So one of them is, like, do you, when you talk to other folks your age about their experiences around gender and music, like, what does the general conversation sound like? It's, for me, it's definitely, they've had a similar experience, like, being judged at first, for the most part, I think. But then they play, and then it's, a whole new world totally yeah. different I, I yeah i agree for at least for me i haven't really ventured th that much into you know the world of gear in general and i i would like to but i guess i i felt a little kind of yeah unsure about uh maybe how much you know i'd, I'd be welcomed in into that kind of thing in terms of i guess the environments i go into but I, there's also you know we, we have you know the internet as at our disposal so that idea is, is comforting to, you know, feel like you can find other people like, you know, on this podcast, you can feel like you can, you know, relate to other people uh, in that way. Yeah. I, having been a part of the Riot community for a long time, like how has that impacted your experiences as musicians? That is, oh my gosh, that's probably the, the that is the biggest part, biggest of, us. part of us. Definitely. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's pretty much shaped... Uh, yeah, for me, my shape me as a musician and a person, because uh, there's just something about the community that makes you feel like you know you can just unlock your every part of yourself you never really felt confident in doing before in opening before, I guess. And there's just this I don't know resounding just positivity in this community, and and I think that's what's helped with our confidence, you know, going forward with our band. Like we just you know, we, we know we're the shit. We're going to do it. And too bad yep. if people don't like it, you know? Definitely. But anyways, like with just with Riot, it's been, I, I know, I can't, I can't thank, you know, you, Hillary, and everyone else involved enough for just how, all the opportunities, all the advice, all the, yeah, experiences, because they've shaped who I am and, you know, for the better, I think. Well, the thing that's awesome to me is to see like you both now going forth and, and teaching now too, right? So like you're out being musicians in mm -hmm. the world, but also you're teaching. So it's like seeing the process and you getting to experience the experience and you know that like everybody's a part of the community as like volunteers or staff is getting just as much back as you're getting from it, right? So it's like you can just see it happening because you've now experienced it, which is maybe my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. So if you were speaking to someone who runs a gear company or is a sound person, for example, or someone in the music industry, and they were like, hey, team, we are wondering how to make things better with regard to gender and diversity, what would you tell them? Well, in terms of those, I say, like, 
putting misconceptions, you know, that's not entirely something you can just, you, it's a nice thing to like, you can say, oh, don't, uh, you know, judge. But that's, that's a hard thing to kind of get, uh, kind of unlearn, I'd say. So in terms of the kind of services they offer, I'd say probably have more people, you know, who are cis, female, trans, non-binary kind of in the, in that realm in terms of, uh, you know, who they employ. Mm -hmm. I think that would make a huge difference. I think also, also what they, um, I, at least I've seen like a lot of brands when they're advertising, there's not a lot of, there's a lot, mainly cis dudes I'd, I'd see in those kind of advertisements of these instruments. So I think it just expanding what they, what people, how they are promoting their products in that way. So what projects, what are you all working on right now? What's coming up for you? I know that's hard to say right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so like, but any, uh, any visions into the future that you might have? Well, we have been trying to work on a few new songs. Mm -hmm. It's definitely hard. Mm -hmm. But like Lucy said earlier, voice memos voice memo. is key. <laughs> They're not the highest form of technology, but they are trusty. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and then we eventually really want to put out an album and we say album because yeah. we make really long songs. So you only need right? like three. <laughs> and definitely, uh, but we may, our songs may be long, but they are, they are, you know, still just, there's a lot of like, you know, we never get bored playing them. So that's the good thing. Uh, but we, we found we can't write just three minute songs we've well we, we've tried to go below that we just can't <laughs> how long are most of your songs five minutes no no, no. I, I, like four, four, four and a half probably yeah. okay yeah. Five. <laughs> maybe well <laughs> <laughs> have you had any like particularly exciting shows that you've played so many like all so many I, I, it's yeah, all them, honestly yeah. all of them uh i think it's mainly because you know the other bands that we get to play with have been really so fun. Like we've played with Fine, the band Fine, a couple of times. We really love them. Who else have we played with? <laughs> like Top, Top Sugar. Sugar. Uh, we got to play with Mean Ciders from uh, Brooklyn, which is amazing, amazing funk band. So I think we've just had a really great time because it's, it's just the music there. Mm -hmm. just in, Yeah, building connections has been our really great experience. Oh, Truth Bypass, oh, yeah, Truth Bypass too. Bypass, that's true. Yeah, and they're 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 a group of of kind of younger musicians too. They're they're they are uh, cis guys, but they're it's been really great because they're kind of a part of like School of Rock, Mariana, right? Like that's kind of where you also mm -hmm. teach. So it's really cool, another community. Cool. So who would you say I should interview if you had some ideas? Who might I? Who might you suggest? Fine. Fine. Yes. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. mainly, yeah, definitely. I, just because. <laughs> Well, for me, they're definitely just one of my favorite bands to see live because, especially because they're also a two-piece and they have so much sound, like so much sound. Mm -hmm. And they actually kind of have, they is the guitarist, they don't actually have too many like pedals and so it's not a very complicated setup, which is really, really cool right. to me. And I, yeah, for fine, say that, definitely. Mean Siders too, which we had just mentioned, that they oh, have yeah. like an unmatched energy they do you remember mariana it was like crazy oh gosh, it, was, it was like i can't even it was it was a it was a experience that's how i can ex describe it awesome all right so we're closing up here i will i i, I think those are some fabulous suggestions i want folks to have a way to uh get in contact with you or follow you on the social medias etc wherever it is that you'd like to direct them uh how can they how can they keep in touch Right now, we have an Instagram and an email. The email's connected to the Instagram, yeah. right? Okay, it's at Get It Right Loser. Yeah, so that or yeah, that's our Instagram. Just pretty much, we we have a lot of videos up on there, mainly because we haven't uh, really um, have have other social media platforms yet, and we're working on that. And so, do um, other platforms exist? <laughs> do they? I don't think so. <laughs> yes, we're working on that, and then once we are able to put some music out, we will put those out on all the platforms that we can. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been super fun. Thank you for being my first band interview as well. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank this. you so much for the opportunity. Of course. I'm looking forward to talking to you all again very yes, soon. Thank you.
Bye. Really, really great to have Girl on the show. And I'm excited to one day be able to see them play again live. Please, God, let us be able to play and see shows again. I'm dying. Uh, Anyway, they really are so, so good. And I'll be sharing more about them throughout the week on Instagram if you would like to follow along. So in closing today, I'm going to leave you all with some thoughts on how to potentially make anti-racist or really, I would say, any change using a model that most folks associate with cancer prevention. Um, But if you think racism of racism as a cancer on society, which it is, uh, and a public health problem, which it is, uh, it makes sense to think about using a public health approach to potentially address it. So, you know, generally speaking, I spend a lot of my personal time thinking about how to make change, you know, like as a teacher and a trainer, that's basically my job. Um, And I've been having a lot of conversations with people about how to make change and relatedly like how or when to respond to people who disagree with you, especially white people talking to white people, uh, especially online, and, you know, how to tailor and manage those responses. So this will, this is not going to get at that directly, but it's sort of a general approach to think about like how you're interacting with people and like what that conversation might look like. Um, so, you know, with that, I've been thinking about how to make change models adapt to different scenarios. And, you know, recently I've been thinking about, you know, uh, what's referred to in the biz as the trans theoretical model. Um, some people refer to it as the stages of change or, you know, the shortened version is the TTM. Um, it was created by Prochaska and DiClemente in 1983. Uh, and it was originally created, as I'd mentioned, as a way to make change in cancer prevention. So, you know, they were working on things like how to get people to wear sunscreen or quit smoking or things like that, like lots of different public health stuff. And, you know, over the years, it's been used in like a zillion fields. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. So, you know, as we know, as I'd mentioned, racism is also a public health issue. Let's think about how to apply it here, maybe. Um, So the most basic way to think about the model is that everyone is at a different stage of readiness towards making change, right? So in thinking about racism, we could frame it like, you know, white people's readiness to engage in anti-racist behavior, for example. And, you know, there have been studies on moderately related topics like bystander intervention and bullying, uh, but nothing really on this exact topic that I've that I've found. So the thing with the TTM, as it's called in the field, is that, you know, by meeting people where they're at and targeting an intervention to them specifically, rather than exposing everyone to the exact same intervention, uh, you know, you'll be more likely to see change, right? Because, you know, you know, lo and behold, you know, if people respond better when you understand where they're exactly at, right? Um, and it makes sense. So uh, I think most of us tailor our conversations with people to where we think they're at all the time, right? Like that's just how we don't <laughs> interact with every single person the exact same way. And, you know, the TTM just breaks down that process a bit. So I'm sure you are dying to know what the stages are and how it works. So <laughs> the stages are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. So pre-contemplation is just that. Like you, the person has not even thought about making a change yet. Uh, they are not ready to change. Uh, in contemplation, the person is thinking about it, but they're not ready to make the jump just yet. In preparation, the person starts to learn about, you know, the behavior before the next stage. You know, they're getting ready. And then the next stage is action. And that's where the person actually engages in the behavior. And then after action, the person needs to continue the behavior, which is the maintenance stage. Um, And people move, you know, between the stages regularly, but that's the general flow, right? Obviously, this is a huge simplification, and there are literally thousands of peer-reviewed studies on TTM with much more detail than this. But I do think that when dealing with individual people, thinking about their behavior, Uh, And this could be racist behavior, sexist behavior, whatever. I think any of those could apply. Uh, It can help to think about where the person is at in tailoring the approach. Like if someone's at pre-contemplation, like the racist drummer I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the intervention that you'd use to move her to contemplation is very different than the process of moving your cousin 
who is like a quote unquote well-meaning white lady from preparation to action or something. That's just an example. But you see how that might work, right? And there are other theories out there on related topics, such as like Helm's white racial identity model, which is great. But I think that the, you know, the TTM can be useful in that it is, you know, can be applied across many shitty behaviors. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's, you know, a little bit simpler. The process is shown to be effective across a wide range of behaviors, right? So obviously I'm not including uh, here the specific intervention or what you might do. That's basically a proposal this is, this is a proposal of a new application of the model, but it's something that could be interesting for future investigations, something people could look into. I will probably continue to look into it myself. Um, I'll include some links about all this business in the show notes as well, and other links that might be helpful if you are a white person using your privilege to talk to other white people about racism. Oh, and uh, one last note is that the TTM is, you know, an individual way of looking at change and it would definitely need to be paired with change that's happening at the like institutional uh, or like interpersonal societal you know policy level as well so even if the change if we change every individual person's minds uh, and like the hierarchical hierarchical structure and the power dynamics of our culture don't change at all nothing will so like we have to help move ourselves our friends our family coworkers to the next level that is our individual interpersonal work, uh, you know, for myself and other white people. But we always have to, like, you know, burn everything down that we've cre that created the harmful attitudes, behaviors, and inequities and oppression in the first place, right? Like, you got to burn that down. Otherwise, none of it's going to matter. So, all right. I hope that was helpful in thinking of, of a potential new way to sort of frame the conversation and making change with others. You know, I feel like Every time I think about how to make change, my brain always goes back to that model. And so I was just thinking that it might be useful for others as well. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, it would be awesome if you would rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so that more folks can find out about it. And if you want to talk more about making change individually at your workplace or elsewhere, I'd totally be down to talk about it. Send me a message. That would be rad. Thanks so much for listening. 